0: Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I am your host Jacob Lindsay and as always I'm joined by...
1: Mason Joseph.
0: And this week we are joined by a very special guest who is a, I guess a 3 meaning Yes. He's been on the show three times. <laughs> uh and that is Nate Classic who we all know and love dearly
1: howdy howdy howdy
2: glad to be on yeah, well, yes sir
0: yeah, we asked with- uh, we asked Nate to come on because uh Mason recently you got a kombucha kit and started making <laughs> kombucha uh-huh. and i remembered that that was one of the things that Nate did when we lived together and i always really liked his kombucha uh, victoria and i drink kombucha from time to time not super regularly but we do we both like it and so I thought maybe we'd kind of go over it and talk about what it is. It is an alcoholic product, although very low alcohol. And uh, I thought we'd get into that maybe after we do our wine reviews. So Mason, are you sipping on anything this
1: week? I'm not sipping on it now, but I did sip on something earlier today. So I, as usual, was in Kroger um, and I saw that they had a Sauv on sale. Um, and by sale, I mean like in the clearance area and it was $5 and 79 cents. Uh, but what drew me to it was it was a, uh, Argentinian cab sauv, hmm. And I don't know that I've specifically had one. So I went ahead and picked it up. It's a 2017, uh, SIBO is the name of the like winery as far as I can tell. Um, it's 13.9% ABV. Um, SIBO is like a, like an Argentinian plant. So, um, like I thought that was kind of a cool name. Um, and then, so, you know, like I took a sip of it really just smelled like red wine. I had my wife take a sip and she was like, Oh, it smells like rose. And I didn't get that at all. Um, dark red wine. Um, it was very aggressive, very dry. And it had like a weird kind of, kind of like, not like when you lick a, like a nine volt battery, but kind of like that acidity at the end. It was, it was odd. So, I mean, being a new world cab Sauv, like it was aggressive, but like this was like oddly aggressive. And that's kind of what I'm used to from like a lot of South American stuff where it's just not refined, but still really good. Like I, I let it, you know, open up for like 30 minutes before I started drinking it. And even then, like, it took me about 30 minutes to drink the whole glass and still was like really aggressive at the end, but kind of starting to open up a bit more and get a little jammy flavor in it. Uh, but you know, wasn't bad, and for like six bucks, definitely not bad.
0: Yeah. Okay. It sounds like that sounds not bad at all. Like, yeah. yeah and, and you and I like uh, picking up a, a discount, and you know, I probably would have been drawn to it the same way as you were. I actually, I was at Kroger this morning, and I almost bought a Clarence wine, but I forgot that in Texas on Sundays you can't buy wine before like one o'clock or something like that. <laughs> like some weird, yeah, there's some weird law, and there was a after church yeah exactly yeah yeah there was some lady like hanging out in the wine section i guess she was like a stalker but she wasn't in a kroger uniform and mm-hmm. she she was like walking around telling everybody who was looking at wine hey you can't buy wine till w- one o'clock and i was like that's- she's just a
1: busybody who that's how she spends her sundays <laughs>
0: it, that could be uh but like she it was i it was really helpful because then i didn't get up to the counter like last time i actually did i forgot about this another time got up the counter and they were like you can't buy it till one o'clock and it was like 10 minutes to one so I was like, okay, well, I'll check out the rest of the stuff, set that over there, and then I'm just going to stand here for ten minutes. And I just stood there for ten minutes, <laughs> and it was really awkward, staring them
1: in the eyes. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it was very and, awkward.
1: But and that's the thing is, like, I don't blame them for like enforcing the law,
0: no, I so don't that mean. way they
1: don't have to deal with it. But yeah. it's such a stupid law.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it I don't understand it. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. But. If I ever see that, I'll pick it up and I'll and I'll give my notes on it too. Nate, did yeah. you have you sipped on anything this week, or are you sipping on anything right now that you think is of note?
2: Yes. Well, I have a nice uh, vintage here of uh, Sprite Ginger. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I haven't had any uh, particular wines this week, though. We have this cool little shop um, here in town that the guy is super friendly. It's not that big of a shop, but he has tons of wines. And you go in there and after a while he starts to kind of know you and like what your flavor profiles are and what he's recommended in the past and what you like. And he always has like all this stuff that um, you know, under twenty bucks that is just awesome. Um and you don't really get that experience much going into some of the Kroger's and, you know, the grocery stores. That's true. Yeah. Um, even in some of the big alcohol like emporium places. Um and so it's it's kind of fun to find a you know, local wine shop and they, they don't even stock stuff. They say that they get stuff that, you know, the, the um, various Kroger's and stuff like that don't even pick up. Well, that's very so common. Kind of yeah. that,
0: that's, that's super common. And that's one of the things that Elizabeth from uh, wine for normal people recommends is to kind of find a, a, a local shop. And a lot of times you do end up paying a little bit more. Um, but it, a lot of times also they'll have stuff that you can't get anywhere else. And it's because they have their – It's I wouldn't say it's their hobby exactly because they are business owners and they are trying to run a business. But they have a more specific idea of what they're trying to get. Not that Total Wine or Kroger or anything like that has wine that you, that's not going to be good. But they usually have one sommelier or um, – You know, wine expert or or whatever that does the buying for the entire store. They have a different market they're targeting. They're they're kind of targeting people who are a little bit less discerning when it comes to that but still want something that's good but are not looking for a lot of subtleties and stuff that other people are looking for. The other advantage that I think, Nate, you have, and I don't know if this shop caters to this, is you're in wine country or very close to it. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, so you can get a lot of really great wines from Virginia, which will tie into my article later. Uh, and a, a local person probably knows a lot more about that than than your Kroger, and even, you know, when, I don't know what Kroger's like in Northern Virginia, but in Norfolk and uh, Virginia Beach, the Kroger's just didn't have that much when it came to Virginia wines, and out here, the Kroger's don't have a huge amount for Texas wines. Actually, really, nobody has a lot for Texas wines, but uh, if you kind of know what you're looking for, you can order it online, and and there are some things that you can get at Kroger, and some things, and more, more that you can get at like Total Wine or whatever, but you know, it, it's kind of a hard. It's more difficult to get stuff that's local. So that's that's pretty cool that you found a shop like that near you.
1: Well, this is the great thing about those shops is they they give you they have the ability to do a more curated experience. So like they could focus on cab sobs from the New World or something like that, and like that'd be their specialty. And like when they you have somebody who does that. Like you can also influence the entire local market to kind of drink more toward your style, which can also lead to like better availability in the local market because you're bringing so much interest to the local market. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that make that makes sense. All right. You guys want to know what I'm sipping on tonight? Yeah, because I've been dying to say. <laughs> it, it, well before it, that it, let's uh get a word from our sponsors right. <laughs> all right yes well, exactly well, yeah so actually, ginger. actually this is uh <laughs> this is from one of our sponsors or or somebody who we kind of adopted as a sponsor is last bottle wines where you can if you go to childeberg.com and click on our link you can get uh $10 toward your first purchase, and it gives us a nice kickback, which one of our listeners recently did. So we do have a credit on Last Bottle Wines, and I oh. will probably be spending that. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you don't buy anything I'm from sure there very will. often. <laughs> uh, but I do buy quite a bit from them. This time, uh, there was a, I think it was Thanksgiving, there was like a, 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 you know, I love those marathon deals that they do. So they do this thing where they have like a marathon deal, and every 15 minutes they switch the wine out. And it's usually deeply discounted. This particular wine, uh, I actually went ahead and did some looking up on it. Uh, and it is on last bottle. I got it for $15. Other places, I did see it for around that price. But according to the internet, the average price is about $30. So it was about 50, 50% off. Uh, this is an Austrian wine. This is a wine that, Mason, you've probably seen the notes. So I'm not going to ask you to, to guess it. But uh, it is... Uh, I'm going to try my best to say all of the words correctly. It is uh, Hiller Simone 1 Wine and Queen Gruner Veltliner 2017. Like I said, from Austria. It's 13% alcohol by volume. It is a white wine. And the reason I was excited to tell everybody about this is because, well, it's a Gruner Veltliner. It's a little bit less common white. I also don't drink white very often. And when I do, it's usually a less common white. And that's going to be our wine grape of the day. So, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll go ahead and give my review on this. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience with this. Mason, have we ever done a Grüner Veltliner?
1: Uh, it may have been in a blend of something that we had, um, but I never. I don't really drink a lot of white blends, so I don't think so.
0: Okay. So typically, uh, Grüner Veltliner is not blended. So although we may have had one, uh, I don't recall having one. This is one of the German-Austrian kind of Central European whites. Um, the more you know, more common one is Riesling, but it, this is very different than Riesling. I would say that this is actually more like Sauvignon Blanc, uh, but it's different than that even. So it, it's very interesting. It's uh, a light kind of hay color. I would, I would say probably closer to platinum than hay, but uh, really pleasant to look at. Uh, it's got uh, a nice aroma of, of lemon and lime, Uh, So kind of citrusy and, and one of the things that's very common with um, Sauvignon Blanc that I don't detect in this is more of like a, like a grass or a hay flavor and smell. This doesn't have that. It's a lot cleaner, I would say. And Mm -hmm. um, if somebody had given this to me and I was not looking at where it was from, I probably would have guessed that this was New World because it does taste a lot more tropical than what I usually associate in my head with European wines. It's the flavor. It does have a lot of that tartness that you would expect from lemon or lime, but I would say the overwhelming fruit flavor, in this is peach. Huh. Uh, so really, very good, but very tart as well. Uh, a lot of acidity, and there is a little bit of minerality to it, but not what I would expect from Europe. So, uh, but very refreshing. If if I get more bottles of this, this is something I'll probably save for summer because I could see myself drinking this next to my new pool. <laughs> and, uh, and keeping it on, on ice or something like that because it is a super refreshing drink. It's a lot. On little, ice? Yeah, on ice. Oh, yeah.
2: well, I was, I was thinking ice in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I oh. thought well, I, might have sinned.
0: Well, you know what? Carr Campit, who we were talking about earlier, is going to live very close to me, and he puts ice in his wine, which is for a lot of people sacrilege, but to each his own. We are anarchists here. <laughs> and, uh, so you know, if I offered him some of this, maybe he would do that. But he's perfectly happy with box wine, so I'll just save the box wine for him. Although, there you go. My my introduction to wine was through you, Nate, and it was box wine. So.
2: Oh yeah, and then it progressed to blueberry wine.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's
2: right. <laughs> just stalled out there for a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Um, but yeah, so this is I I recommend it. It's uh like again, I said it was it's Hiller Simone. Uh, I don't know if it's. Hiller simone one or Hiller simone i but i i don't know that in austrian i means anything but uh hmm. so it's wine and queen it says on it it says simone i or simone one wine and queen
1: it's just like a it's just like a space to break it and we're reading it as a letter
0: but yeah that's that's <laughs> yeah that could be that could be that's, I, that's I don't so know bike. one of the other things that attracted to me this or it wasn't that it attracted me exactly but it did catch my eye because this is during a marathon these go through very quickly and so usually I'm watching them on one of my monitors at work like in the corner with like a Mm -hmm. script set up to to refresh the screen quickly it says Hiller h-i-l-l-e-r I I thought when I saw it it said Hitler and I was like (laughs) that is a really unfortunate name for a wine but then I like I I went and looked again and I was like oh Hiller and then I saw it was from Austria and I was like you would think that they would maybe not use this name because it's a little too close.
3: Yeah, well,
1: I'll be honest, when I was looking at the notes, I in t- read Austria as Australia. Oh, so like when you're like it's an Austrian wine I was like he tricked me. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I did and I actually figured up. out that yes, <laughs> it's really just It's really like an Austrian wine. Like that's he's talking about. (laughs) I'm so confused.
0: Well, this wine was just like I don't get it. This wine was very interesting. I don't know if it's typical, but I am I'm very interested in getting more of this to see what it's like. But I kind of want to give the history of this because that's one of the things we're trying to do lately is give the history of the grape and give a kind of an explanation for people. Uh, we don't typically do whites. Even though, Mason, you tend to like whites more than reds, although lately you've, mm-hmm. you've been drinking a lot of reds.
1: It's just the what I've gotten. Like, my parents for my birthday got me two 15 wine groupons. Okay. So I have no idea. Like, I haven't really dug into what the groupon entails. So I have a feeling I'm going to have like a smorgasbord of different colors soon.
0: Okay. That'll be interesting. Well, this is, I don't do whites very often. Uh, Elizabeth, so I'm, as everybody knows, I listen to wine for normal people quite a bit. And Elizabeth is the host of that show. I am also a higher level contributing member to that show. And so I get a phone call with her exclusive, like an exclusive phone call one-on-one every month
2: to oh, talk. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it,
0: yeah. It's pretty cool. And, um, she kind of, she already, it's kind of like having a shop like, like you have Nate, where they start learning your palate because I'm on a lot of her classes I also get a bunch of free classes from her so I join a lot of them and uh, she started to learn kind of my palate and how it's expanding mm. and she's kind of been throwing challenges at me lately and uh, like you know a, cu- a couple of months ago I had that Chocolina mm-hmm. uh, which was super good and really interesting it was a white wine as well but totally different than any other white wine I've ever had that was kind of a challenge from her and uh And she – that was part of a class, but she had messaged me exclusively and was like, hey, get this one because I think you'll think it's interesting. And Mm -hmm. I don't want you to try a bad Chocolina and then uh, sort of rule that out. Mm -hmm. And so she actually like helped me out finding what I wanted to find or or finding one that I like. So this one was another one that she sent me on a list. She was like, I know that you like Sauvignon Blanc. I know that you're interested in, in kind of wines that are more from an obscure region of Europe. And although Austria is part of the wine world, they do produce quite a bit of wine. Uh, this is sort of outside of the radar of of most Americans, and uh, they they are starting to plant plant this like up in the Finger Lakes region and stuff like that. But for the most part, we don't grow it here, and it's a little bit it's a little bit more rare. So I'll give a little bit of the history of it. So typically, Gruner Veltliner is um, a dry wine it is a white grape uh it's mostly found in austria but it's also grown in czech republic slovakia and hungary so all places that used to be part of the austro-hungarian empire and then were part of germany and and so on and so forth so the wine is uh thought to be indigenous to austria but it's actually named after a region in northern italy that borders austria so whether whoever started naming it I don't know if they named it for a part of Austria at the time, because, you know, the borders do change in that area. And that part was part of one of the many empires that included Austria over the time, but that's what it's named after is a, is a particular region. Now, Grunerweld Liener is a cross between Sauvignon Blanc. And then up until recently, uh, an obscure grape that they didn't really know. But then this is the most interesting part. I think of this story in 2000, uh, They somebody was like clearing some land. They found a grapevine, one grapevine, that they found out was the the other parent to Gruner Veltliner. They didn't know what it was, though, until 2005 when somebody tried to tear it out. And they were like, you know what? Hang on a second. Let's go get this uh, genetically sequenced. Mm -hmm. They sent it off to get genetically sequenced. And they found out that this was a thought-to-be-extinct grape called St. I'm gonna try my best to pronounce this, but it's uh, Saint Ger Genner So this was the only existing vine of this. Can you read this, Mason? Because I see that you're in the in the notes.
1: I'm trying to locate it. Saint, I, I, I highlighted. Uh, but I don't know if you can see my highlight. Journier Ruby. Like it's George with N E R at the end and R E B E. Okay. So Rubey. Yeah. Okay. So the way I would pronounce it.
0: Yeah. And I guess I guess it's named after a a, a town sort of nearby. Uh, so like I said, they 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 found it in 2000, but it was it was in an overgrown part of this pasture of a farm, and uh, it hadn't been cultivated since the 1800s as as a vineyard. And um, so like local experts, they took a look at it, they couldn't identify it, and then five, they left it alone. They just kind of left it out there, and it was fine. And they were going to tear it out, and so five years later, they sent off samples to some college somewhere to get sequenced and they discovered that it was this long lost grape and uh then in 2011 uh it was vandalized somebody unknown assailants, came by and they cut it up huh. but it survived and it's ba, a, ba, ba. yeah it's a very hardy a very hardy <laughs> vine so the vine itself is now protected it's it's uh, a uh austrian heritage location <laughs> Which, for better or for worse, I don't I don't know what that entails in under Austrian law, uh, but it's protected by the government there. And uh, they decide to start taking cuttings and cultivate that for commercial use uh, in the future. So very interesting. Uh, very I thought cool. I, I thought it was the most interesting part of this grape. <laughs> Other than it is it is very tasty. I like the wine, but like that that little tidbit like really caught my eye, and I thought it was really interesting. So typical flavors from Grüner Velliner are lemon, lime, and grapefruit uh also common uh for it is to have green pepper notes or white pepper which are are different mm-hmm. different flavors but uh green pepper is usually associated they they uh call it uh herbiscus i think is the is the term and uh that's more of like that vegetable-y flavor that you do get sometimes white pepper is different white pepper's more of that kind of pepperiness that you get from uh carmeniere from chile they they tend to have that where it's it's more of like it does it tastes like pepper like for but sweeter. So a white pepper is kind of a little bit more mild and sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. So very interesting. I don't detect that on this wine, but that doesn't mean that it, that this is a typical wine. Now in the new world, you do get things that are more common with the new world, which is lemon and lime turn into peach and pineapple and um, mango and those kind of more tropical fruits. That's what, that's what you tend to get in the new world. It's it's just a different flavor profile. Um, So, that was my notes on that. And then, uh, okay, this is actually another interesting thing that I sort of detected on this when I first tasted it. But now that I've been drinking the entire bottle, uh, I don't detect it as much. And that is that there is a texture that is very um, prevalent in Grunewald Liner, And that is a an acidity that, they, that packs a punch and that they equate to Pop Rocks. Huh. I didn't quite get Pop Rocks from it, but it is a very sharp acidity.
1: Well, so, speaking of pop rocks, that's kind of what I got at the end. Like, that's actually a really good description of the end of the wine that I had. Like, the back end kind of had like a pop to it. You know, that's the okay. a, a good way to describe it.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so that's that's something maybe we can kind of add to our flavor repertoire because actually when they were describing that, I was like, oh, that's sort of what chocolina is like. Although chocolina is also slightly slightly carbonated.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, is that kind of like the habit? Uh, Appervescence
0: Yeah Well this is not This is a flat wine Or a still wine As they say But and now Chocolina is not a still wine It is It is slightly carbonated But hmm. um, But this The acidity In both Chocolina And this Is kind of what Gives it that sort of Additional punch And then I think Because Chocolina Is probably lower Or Is it higher on the pH? I don't remember how pH works But Higher or lower it's It's less acidic And So I think that Carbonation kind of adds a little bit of punch to it.
1: Makes sense.
0: Yeah. So I actually thought that like, this is a good wine. I thought that the information about this grape was super interesting. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to try some more. It's, I looked up at our local total wine. They had one other one. So I'll probably end up getting that at some point Now, granted I'm moving soon and I already have more wine bottles than I want to, to move. And so I probably won't be buying anything else new. Plus I kind of want to check out the, the total wine that's like down the street from our new house and see if they have mm-hmm. other stuff. But if they have a uh, Gruner Veltliner, I might pick it up and check it out. Also, I think Elizabeth is doing a White Wines of Central Europe class at some point, or maybe it's that's not the title of it, but I think it's going to include Austrian wine and mm-hmm. German wine. So, you might, so uh, if that is the case, go ahead and check her classes out. I'll probably be participating in some of those. And if you are fans of this show, you'll see me in that class and now granted i won't be talking because you know elizabeth's giving tons of information she's way smarter than i am when it comes to wine uh and but i will be there and we can talk about it online or uh you know i guess through skype or whatever i guess that's still online but I, i'm not going to get out my phone number but yeah. <laughs> we can't well, talk the, about it online.
1: <laughs> the uh total wine in norfolk has a boatload Really, of Gruner Beltliners.
0: Oh, you should try some out if you, if, if any of it's uh, a good price for you. Or although you've got the Groupon, so you may not want to do that anytime soon.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's like I gotta pay the shipping on the Groupon. Like, that's true. <laughs>
2: that's what I
1: love. Of like, my parents did this last year on accident. Like they weren't trying to like specifically make me pay for the Groupon. Like pay the shipping in the Groupon they thought it was included and like they made a joke oh, this time like you know hopefully it won't happen again but it's like 34 four dollar shipping for both of them <laughs> like
2: happy birthday you have to spend money in order to yeah. get your present
1: and that's the thing is like if i tell my parents they'll they'll more, more than cover it but like i think with the last one the shipping was like the same amount but for like so it's like 34 per one so you know 70 bucks which isn't bad for 30 bottles of wine. No, not um, at all. But like, I think the last one, the shipping was nearly like $70 on its own. Goodness. <laughs> Cause it was like, it just shipped weird. It was funny, but like I, I enjoyed the last one a lot. So like, I'm not bothered by it at all, but the, it just kind of made me laugh. I was like, Oh, <laughs> it happened again. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, I get
0: it. It's kind of a weird, it's it's weird to buy. It's weird to buy that type of thing for people.
1: Yeah. Groupon's one of those things where it's like, it's groupon could be so much better set up than it is um but like i don't think like i don't think it was hidden i just don't think my parents were paying attention which is fine like it's not like it's not like i'm mad about it or anything it's just it made me laugh that it, it's like haha double this time yeah <laughs> <laughs> next year they'll get me three and then i'll have to pay yeah. all three and they'll have bought it and they'll have specifically said shipping included or something so just made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> like they did.
0: <laughs> but actually, you know, speaking of gifts from your parents, uh, mm-hmm. my, you know, my parents—they don't drink, and mm-hmm. but they've both gone out of their way while they're in California to like try to get Hawaiian industry connections for me, <laughs> which I think is really nice of cool. them. And I, I'm actually really appreciative. And my uncle Paul is actually also, uh, actually, if if you if Mason, we can if you can ever go out to L.A. with me. My uncle Paul plays regularly at a a winery, which is a pretty big winery. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're I don't know if what they produce is good or bad, but it's in L.A. It used to be a vineyard also, but they end up selling the vineyard and now it's high rises or something. But uh, but the winery itself still is there, and they own vineyards elsewhere. But we can get a behind this like the behind the scenes tasting and tour. Uh, and they also own vineyards in Italy and like all sorts of stuff like that. And they apparently really like my uncle Paul. So nice. if we can ever mm. get out to LA, <laughs> we got to do that. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. And, and my parents have got a couple lined up to, uh, in actually up by where your wife's from and, oh. uh, wineries, not vineyards. Cause that's also very, very common everywhere, which is one of those things that like, until you and I started getting into this world, I didn't realize how many wineries existed that were not also attached to vineyards.
1: Yeah, not like their own specific vineyard. Right. Yeah, like to me I just didn't think there was that many spare grapes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, right. exactly. I didn't think so either, but you know like uh uh Rowdy Boland who I've had on the show and we've interviewed before, he's only a grower. Mm-hmm. So he grows, he he does have a uh a winemaker for hire that that he hires and they make his wine, but uh he doesn't have a winery. It's it's made from a in a third party. And it and it kind of makes sense because the the machinery used to make wine is not unless you're making a huge amount of wine. It's not really economic for you to have all that machinery because it's very expensive and specialized. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense.
1: No, yeah, well, I mean like John Davidanius, like he's a winery, like he's a winery, not a vineyard. Yeah. Like, exactly. He specifically yeah. makes wine uh, off of purchased grapes.
0: I got to reach out to him again because I I, yeah. I I messaged him and he sent me like a one a one word response. Which, which made like I was like oh I hope he doesn't hate us and I was like you know what he doesn't really strike me as like an internet person
1: so, yeah
0: so maybe it was just it just seemed much more harsh than it actually is
1: or maybe it's like he thought he sent like an actual message and just didn't like yeah, you know right. had no no cause to follow up yeah. <laughs> that's just positive. didn't realize it
0: now speaking of a location that uh, that brews alcoholic beverages yeah um, that are. In this case, well, wine is also healthy, but uh, in a different way and in moderation, of course, uh, which is not not my area, you know, but (laughs) moderation is not really my wheelhouse. But um, (laughs) there was a kombucha facility in Ghent. I think it actually closed. I don't think they did a very good job. I um, think so, too. Yeah. But they used to make kombucha. And kombucha is something that I was actually introduced to by the same person that introduced me to wine. Nate, who's on the show tonight. And Mason, you've recently made kombucha. So I thought mm. this would be a great episode for us to talk about it. Yeah. Do you two, I don't know if combined or separately, Nate, I, I'm going to defer to you as the expert, but I don't know if you feel comfortable being the expert or not. Um, what is kombucha? And can you kind of explain the process of making it? And if you know the health benefits, I I pulled up like a infographic that has 18 benef- like. Benefits of kombucha, but I don't know if these are bullshit or if they're real.
2: Well, a lot of the benefits I think are kind of similar to what you would get from apple cider vinegar, um, just kind of like the vinegar benefits and health things. Um, I think you also get some level of probiotic, I believe, because it's a active culture. Okay. Um, and uh, the the mushroom itself, so it's a it's created by A mushroom called a scoby that um essentially digests the sugar and produces like the the, essentially the vinegar and um it's it's kind of fun it's (laughs) i I don't know who really came up with it um because i guess at some point somebody saw this you know uh, mushroom growing on a vat of sweet tea or something and was like you know what Let's see what this thing's, uh, you know.
0: <laughs> well, I remember you you gave me my first try of it, and I was like, "This tastes like bad apple juice," but it's also right. tastes pretty good. And and when I did research on it, like I found out that there was now this is the eighteen health benefits that are on this infographic, but there there are there are health benefits that are like you know, like you said, apple cider vinegar is a, a good example of that. But it's stuff that you usually get from fermented drinks. But one of the benefits of kombucha is that the alcohol level is low I think you know this is an anarchist show so don't give me hate mail or anything about it but government regulation is that kombucha has to be under 0.5 percent or 0.05 percent alcohol yeah um, yeah point5 or 0 point5 okay point5 well,
1: so, so the it's the alcohol content is generally less than 0. 0.5 as such it's not regulated
0: right right um, and that's one of the reasons why when you're shipping other types of products. You just say that it's heritage kombucha and that's, that's allowed to be shipped. (laughs) Um, So the 18 health benefits on this site, and these are things that actually Nate used to tell me a lot about uh, general detox, which I don't know what that means exactly, but I know that like everybody talks about detoxing. It's got antioxidants, uh, which is again, kind of amorphous, but I'm totally cool with that. Um, Gives you energy I do like it a lot and I do think it is energizing, but that may be from the caffeine and the tea. I'm not really sure, but I do like the way I, it does feel energizing to me. And I drink way more energy drink than I probably should. And I'm trying to switch <laughs> over to other types of caffeinated products. Uh, so maybe I'll start drinking some more kombucha. It uh, is immune support, which is from the bacteria in the uh, yeast that is produced by the SCOBY. Um, it is, uh, I don't understand this one, but ulcer healing. That's like, aren't, is it an ulcer that like when your stomach is cut or there's like a sore in your stomach?
1: Yeah, but it's a sore. It's a sore based on a like a virus or like a bacteria thing. So like um, a probiotic may like it could attack the bacteria. You know, basically what they found out with ulcers was like it's it, it's like a like a not a disease, but like it is a bacterial or viral infection. I can't remember which one. And like this guy who didn't have ulcers basically said ulcers are these things, and everyone's like, no, it's not. You know, common belief, it's like a stress thing. And then he drank this culture stuff, and he got a bunch of ulcers, and he's like, see? And then he cured them, and then he's like, see? Oh, <laughs> so yeah, they're, yeah, it's it's like an actual thing. So I I imagine like anything, it's like, oh, this killed the bacteria, you're good to go.
0: Okay, well that's interesting because. That, I mean, it makes sense. I don't have any ulcers, but uh, if I do, maybe I'll drink a lot of kombucha, or or I'll just prevent them by drinking kombucha. All right, uh, you know, just go to the doctor
1: and get. <laughs> actually, I, do, I, do, I,
0: I do have like a really good doctor, so and and actually, yeah. my doctor, who's an osteopath, recommended kombucha when I was having all those stomach problems. Yeah. So you remember when I when I had that? They kind of flared up again when I moved here to Texas, and mm-hmm. it was probably stress related, and. Well, actually, we found out that it was something I was eating that I stopped eating, but um, or or I think that that's what it was because when I stopped eating it, I felt better. But uh, Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where like I had to like eliminate a whole bunch of things, then like add stuff back in, and then I added one thing back in. I was like, holy crap, this is the worst. But uh, anyways, the other thing is that it does is it it balances metabolism, uh, reduces blood sugar. It is a see they added detox again here. Um, but it's kidney detox. So I don't know what the difference between a general detox and a kidney detox is. From my understanding, detox is kind of bullshit, but, uh, cause that's not how toxins work, but uh, correct. I, I don't know. And I'm not going to like, I'm not going to bad mouth at one way or the other, but that being ruled out, uh, good for blood vessels. I've also heard that. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard that. Um, lowers cholesterol, which is actually something my osteopath did say. Uh, so I, I actually, when I went in for my blood work this, this time, you know, I'm 32 for everybody who, who doesn't know. Um, I'll be 33 very soon. Mm -hmm. I have high cholesterol this last time. Oh yeah. And now that makes sense because I pretty much only eat meat and, (laughs) uh, and lots of fatty meat. And, I was gonna say
1: a lot of like processed meat because he eat a lot of sausage.
0: That's yeah, true. I eat I, I a, a tremendous amount of sausage, and uh, so he did say I had high cholesterol. And actually, he, and one of the things he recommended was kombucha mm-hmm. and mm. other types of probiotic foods, yogurts, um, which is actually also high in fat, uh, kimchi, sauerkraut, all those types of things. He said you know that that'd be good for my for my cholesterol and also help lower my blood pressure. Although my blood blood pressure is very low, so he said that's not really that big of a deal. Uh-huh. Uh but the next item on the list is lowers blood pressure, uh good source of iron, liver detox, so another detox, um good for nerves, may help asthma, good for joints, lowers the rates of cancer and antibacterial. So if those if those are true, it sounds like a very good thing to drink. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the per- the process of making it at home because that's what you sure. guys are. Well, what Nate you used to do at our at our house when we lived together, and yeah. Mason, what you recently did. So, Mason, you recently did it. You want to talk about the general the general process yeah. of making kombucha?
1: So the there's a couple things you need to make kombucha. The first is you need access to a SCOBY or to a partial one and then create one through like a series of steps. Basically you can breed the bacterial yeast colony, um, combo if you need to, but you can also purchase one. So basically what I, my wife got me a kit. It came with the glass jar that you fermented in, um, like a set of tea, a set of sugar. So, You boil the water, put the tea in, let it steep for, you know, like 10 minutes or whatever it is, um, squeeze out all the rest of the water from the tea, dispose of the tea, mix in the sugar, let it come to room temperature, and then mix in a large amount of cold water. And then with the kit that I got, you send away for the scoby after you get it, because it's like basically they don't know how long the kit's gonna sit there. So you send away and they send you a scoby. So then you pour the like once everything's kind of at room temperature because it's a bacterial colony, so if it's too hot, it will kill it. <laughs> once it's at room temperature, you pour the, the SCOBY in there and then you basically put it in a dark, warmish place and you let it begin to ferment. And it takes, you know, it, you can let it ferment longer, but they recommend about a week uh, to 10 days. And then you can drink it right away if you like it flat or if you like it more carbonated you would go ahead and bottle it. So I did that last Sunday, and then today I actually bottled it. Now, because my scoby was very small, because it was, you know, had to be shipped, so it wasn't a very large one yet. Um, when I tasted it to kind of see where it was at, it was still very sweet, like too sweet. <laughs> and so I think partially where I have it in the cabinet that I have it in, it's not warm enough for it to be really vigorous and because my scoby isn't large enough it didn't consume enough of the sugar so i think this this batch is probably going to be kind of a throwaway batch once i drink it uh but we'll see in 3 to 4 days basically i'll put it into the fridge and then start consuming it from there
0: okay so that makes mm-hmm. sense and nate is that basically the process you use when we used to do it in those like bowls at, at our house
1: yep yeah
2: same thing and and the fun thing about the scoby is that it it grows to the size of the container yeah. Um, so, you know, some people, we, I used kind of big open mouth bowls. Um, also, you, they, um, we tore up a, t- a piece of t-shirt because you want to have like a cheesecloth or something over top mm-hmm. to just pre- prevent things from jump getting in, but also let it breathe. Um, I think we ended up tearing up a t-shirt or something. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think,
0: yeah, I think um, we put a t-shirt over it and I was making beer at the time. So, I think we just sprayed it with like Sandstar. So, it was had like an act, like an antibacterial spray on the top of the t shirt. And then the SCOBY and whatever was going on inside there was able to like be, you know, chill without a whole bunch of like shit from our not, not the most tidy house on the planet. And by that I mean <laughs> quite filthy. Uh, until I discovered Adderall and then it was very clean. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was it was not the cleanest place in the world, but we did we did come up with a way to like keep it sanitary. And same thing with the beer is like the beer a lot of that is just sanitary practices as you kind of keep it, it's a, it from the way that it, that you described it to me and the way that I kind of observed you doing it Nate was it's a similar process to making beer is it's a lot of uh, it's just basically sanitary practices is just kind of making sure everything's clean, you put the kind of sugar residue water or the sugar water in and then the the active uh the scoby in this case or yeast in the case of beer kind of changes that sugar into alcohol and carbonation and whatever other things need to be in there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And then um, what's cool with yeah. like kombucha is like once you do the first like the first brewing or the first fermenting, you can put stuff into it like sugar or like fruits and things like that to get the different flavors. Yeah. That's one thing that I never, uh,
2: explored that it's if I was doing kombucha again, I, I really wanted to kind of research into that. Um, cause that's how people, you know, in the stores and things they have like the guava or the ginger and all that stuff. I always wondered, you know, the, the whole process of
1: that.
0: And yeah, that ginger kombucha yeah. is one of my favorites. That's at the store, but it's also really expensive.
1: Yeah, I can't drink most, or I don't think I should drink most uh, most of the like the commercially available ones, the synergy ones, because they do it with um, kiwi, like kiwi juice for some reason. Uh. and like even in just the straight kombucha, it's kiwi juice.
3: Oh, wait. and
1: like I think I'm mildly allergic to kiwi. <laughs> So, <laughs> so it's like crap <laughs> yeah, the one thing that you find though
2: is like after you have it for a couple batches um, it grows scobies underneath of it um, and so you can take those out and start putting them in other batches and you can have multiple batches going but then eventually the problem is is that you have all of these scobies and you reach the limit of containers that you're willing to make a batch because it makes a decent amount mm-hmm. um and I think we were starting to do some research, and I think people were talking about that you can like saute them and yeah, things.
0: Yeah, that's right. But did we? Uh, did but we, I
2: remember we yeah. tried.
0: Yeah, it and was it was weird. We it didn't taste did it good. It was like something. yeah, it was an odd texture and stuff. Um, but because you know
2: what, it's super thick, slimy, and
0: yeah. Well, you know what I've always thought actually after that was I had uh, a couple of years ago a a jellyfish soup, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? When I had it, I was like, this is not very good. But I could see using those kombucha mushrooms in this instead of jellyfish and it would be roughly huh. the same thing.
1: Yeah, I wonder. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, because it's like a similar texture. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, the one-, one the one I got was from craft brew and what's really cool about them is they have beer, wine, and like seltzer, hard cider kits, gin kits, like they've got like all sorts of cool stuff. Um and like depending on the level that you want to get in at, for a lot of their stuff, like they have like a starter set, and then they've got like full on sets. So
0: that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's really neat. And then like you can get like you know they've got an Octoberfest ale beer kit, and you know fat like they they just do a bunch of different stuff. So it's like one of those companies where I'm like, we could do this. Yeah, <laughs> like and come up with cool things.
0: Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, anything else you guys want to add to that?
2: Well, I just recently had a – there's like a seltzer uh, kombucha that mm-hmm. I had at that Wegmans. Uh, it's like a Wegmans brand, which is a, a grocery store up here.
1: We have a Wegmans uh-huh. in Virginia Beach now.
2: Yeah. Um, so they, Yeah, I, I just found them, and I had them like a week or so ago. It was pretty good. They had one with turmeric. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to like ones with some weird flavors as long as the health benefits are really mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah. But it it tasted pretty pretty good. I, I want to say that one of them had mint or something in it that was yummy.
1: That sounds um, good. It sound pretty so, good. but speaking of it, Jacob, one of the things that I thought that you would like, and one of the things because when you get a house, you'll have a lot more room for things like this.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's related, and you know, related in that like it's a fermented thing to kefir and oh. kvass. Mm-hmm. So, like, and I'm sure there are like kvass making kits and stuff like that. So I was thinking, like, since you guys like kvass, you guys could yeah, try right. making some of that as one of those, you know, just see what it's like.
0: Yeah, it's true. I, we do both really like kvass. And I, and I like kefir a lot, too. Uh, they're both very good. Those are, those are two things that I enjoy quite a bit. I actually, today, we went to the Russian store yesterday, as is what we do a lot of weekends. And um, got a whole bunch of baked goods and stuff while we were there, which is not what I typically like to eat, but it's just too tasty to not eat. And, um, but we got this new sour cream that they had. Well, I guess it's not new, but it's, it's sour cream I hadn't had there before. And it's all in Cyrillic on the outside. So I have to ask Victoria, what is this style? What is this style? And, uh, (laughs) this was, uh, like homemade style. And so there's like village style, homemade style, city style, (laughs) like all these different styles. And, we got the and this is the best sour cream I've ever had. It's thicker. It's kind of like more. I would say it's a cottage cheese consistency, but it's closer to cottage cheese consistency than like American sour cream consistency. Ugh. Oh, it's it so good. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and we
0: got uh, blinchikey, which is like uh, it's like crepes with with cheese in it. Which again. Mason, you'll, you're, this is like, you're, this is your worst nightmare right now. So, <laughs> <Pretty much>. so <laughs> Dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah, right. But I was just slathering it in this like cream cheese or this like uh cottage cheesy sour cream. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And then they have these other, these other like pastries that are like, uh, filled with this one you'll like probably, but they're like, um, uh, what are those French, like fluffy, those like fluffy breakfast biscuits that you get that are, uh, what are they called? Croissants. Croissants. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. yeah. And, uh, so they're, they're kind of like the, the texture of a croissant, but inside of them is like meat and onions. Super, super hmm. good. And that does sound
1: very good actually.
0: So you'd like that plain and then, and then I'd come along and I'd just be like gigantic scoop of this weird sour cream. <laughs> oh, no I, like,
1: oh. I would be putting hot sauce on it yeah <laughs> so.
0: oh my gosh it was so good but uh yeah so that that was like my most recent like fermented discovery was this really delicious sour cream that hopefully will not make me sick because i ate a bunch of it earlier today <laughs> uh, and, and i as i've been discovering lately is that like you know remember nate when you and i used to live together i could eat like 10 day old pizza off the counter or whatever and i'd be fine and mm-hmm. and then like over time, my stomach became more and more and more sensitive. And now, like the wrong type of yogurt upsets my stomach. And right, yeah, it's it's become very odd. Like I've become incredibly incredibly sensitive to uh, foods,
2: which I think that starts to happen, happen once you progress to your your late twenties and stuff. And I, it's probably a culmination of over time eating so much stuff that it either makes you more sensitive or um, you start eating healthier and then you start eating the crap that you used to eat that your body was like, just kind of gave up and was like, oh, I guess we're eating in this crap
1: now. That could um, be. Yeah, that, that, that's possible.
0: <laughs> well, and you yeah, know, just, and the thing is, like to, your body was like, I'm going to kill
1: him. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got to <laughs> stop doing this.
0: Now, now, I did I did start a lot of my stomach sensitivity stuff in, in uh, Virginia, but it was for other reasons. It was all stress related stuff. And, uh, and then when I moved here, my diet became pr- pretty consistent because I get fed at work and it's, mm-hmm. a, and it's the same cook. He cooks basically the same stuff every week and it's, uh, and there's a couple of items that he makes that I can't eat cause they're too spicy. But, uh, for the most part, it's, it's just, I eat the exact same thing every week. Like this week, my, my favorite thing that he made this week was, uh, and this is another. It's a weird thing. I probably would have never eaten this before. But he made meatballs. But the meatballs were vegetable based meatballs. They weren't. They had no meat in them. Mm-hmm. So it was made so out of was like. Uh, yeah, yeah. They weren't meatballs. They were like protein balls from pea protein or something. And they weren't. Hmm. They weren't soy because apparently, actually, and I had this problem too. He made these chicken nuggets out of soy, so they were like faux chicken nuggets, and like it mm-hmm. tore me up. And so oh. I, I told him. I was like, I can't eat these. You got like, I was like, it's fine if you make them, but just let me know that it's that type of soy stuff. And he, and actually he said, he's like, it, it messed up his stomach too. He's not going to make them anymore. But then he made these like <laughs> pea protein meatballs. These things were so freaking good. I've never had <laughs> a fake meat that I liked as much as I like these, these fake meatballs, but it was, they were Mongolian. So it had mm-hmm. like this Mongolian sauce on them. Mm-hmm. And I, and then he made like this cauliflower with it that was like, Temeric cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Super good. So, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He's a good cook, and he, he he makes a lot of the same stuff over and over again. And so he usually has, like, the same key ingredients. He just tries to mix them a little bit differently. And uh, But, yeah, so I think maybe that might have contributed to my, like, sensitivity, because now, like, every day I eat his lunch, and his lunch is almost 90% of the time fine for me. And then I go, and I'm like... I'm gonna eat ten pizzas or something like that. And then it ends up like upsetting my stomach and then I'm not and then I don't feel good. So which is like
2: <laughs> then you drink kombucha.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or I or yeah. I drink a whole bunch of kefir and like decide that I just wanna eat the sour cream because we have nothing to put it on, but like I still like it, so I just eat it plain and uh that's probably not very good. Oh, God. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's good, man. It's really no, good. It's not. Or or like if if we have like corn chips, like putting a little bit of sour cream on the corn chip and eating it. <laughs>
1: uh, see that that I can understand because like you know like uh, sour cream and onion dip, like that's kind of the same thing to me. Then I guess like, so. It's just you know because like you could have put pepper or you know something else in it if you really wanted to. I'm not you know yeah. So that like that makes more sense to me.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. All right, well let's let's move on real quick to our last topic because we're we're getting close to an hour. Uh, so the reason I actually this 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 article I wouldn't have chosen this article otherwise because I don't think it's a particularly interesting article, but I I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this because I think it's a really interesting how they decide to try to put these two topics together. <laughs>
3: okay, um,
0: it is it does have to do with the topic of the show, which is government and alcohol. So, the, the title of the article is Proposed Bill Would Allow People to Drink Alcohol at More Shopping Centers in Virginia. So, relevant to Virginia. Hmm. Yep, it's interesting. It's by, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce this person's name. Well, no, I am going to try to pronounce it, but I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly. It's uh, Khalida Volo. So, last name, V-O-L-O-U. Volo or Vlau, maybe? Volou? Uh, Hulu, that's possible. Hulu. So the general, the general summary of this article is uh, a new bill. A new bill was introduced to the Virginia Assembly, which would expand the open container laws, uh, which right now are fairly restrictive. Um, you are apparently allowed to have out, uh, open containers in outdoor malls, but the outdoor malls have to fit certain criteria, and the criteria is that the outdoor mall must cover twenty-five acres. And have at least 100,000 square feet of retail space. So this is not actually particularly common in Virginia, uh, but it is uh, something that does exist. So there are retail centers where you can go to a uh, bar that's in the retail center and you can buy a drink and walk around the retail center and drink it. There's also uh, part of the um, restrictions on this is that the retail retail centers must have chains... uh, Chain stores, not any type of store, but specialty chain stores, restaurants, entertainment, offices, residential, or hotel on the same 25 acres. And they all need to be one, like, center or whatever. Hmm.
2: So I think yes. these people are just trying to get it so they can get drunk at work.
0: Yeah, that, that <laughs> it, does, <laughs> it does seem a little bit like that. Uh, yeah. So, apparently, uh, Senator Barbara Fal- Favola, she's a Democrat. She's from Arlington, uh, which is interesting because I'm moving to Arlen, or Arling—I am also moving to Arlington, Texas, uh, <laughs> which is a center city. But Arlington is a northern city in Virginia as well. Uh, uh, she near inter- Howie Snowden. Exactly, near Howie—and near Nate. Uh-huh. Uh so uh, she introduced the bill that would reduce that acreage to ten instead of twenty five, and but everything else
1: is the same. So.
0: <laughs> basically, yeah, basically everything else is the same. Uh, but it would allow more shopping centers that are on fewer acres to um, have a commercial lifestyle center license. So yeah, there's
1: a you know the they built that outlet mall in Norfolk. Um, yeah, and I think the outlet mall actually kind of fits a lot of that you know it's a very large acreage uh there's a hotel on it um there's there's a lot going there so i think like it actually might kind of fit that as that setup um and then the Lynn Haven mall like they've really kind of like put in a bunch of extra stuff yeah um so, like, I think it it's one of those things where, like, they might actually be able to pull that off there, almost too.
0: That's, that would be actually very interesting if they have residential there or or a hotel or something like that. And there are hotels nearby, so if those hotels actually were purchased and integrated into Lynnhaven Mall, although part of the criteria is that they do have to be open air, which mm-hmm. is which is a weird kind of a weird criteria, but that's that's part of the criteria.
2: Um, so, so go yeah, ahead. I, I wonder though if it – is it one of the things that like the mall itself has to apply uh for this treatment or if you knew the law and you knew that this shopping center, it was legal, that you could just like start walking around with a drink and if anybody gives you, you like <laughs> – <Yeah>, Right. <laughs> like, well, I, actually, yeah. Like, hey, you can't – like,
0: Yeah. So it is a licensing thing. So you do have to apply for a commercial lifestyle center license. So this is, a, this is a particular license that is granted to certain locations. If the location has it, then you're allowed to walk with an open container of alcohol in the entire Lifestyle Center. Huh. So now you'll be able to walk around a 10-acre center instead of a 25-acre center with an open container of alcohol. That's that's basically I'd, the difference.
2: So, you know, you can just get wrecked in coals or something, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, right, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to think, though, like if I...
0: I mean, I guess I it's like understand. if you wanted to go to like, uh, you know, at Pembroke Mall, they opened that, uh, actually, it's not Cheeseburger in Paradise, but actually, when we used to go to the Libertarian meetings, I think it's basically mm-hmm. for that, except for in an open air situation, where if we got wrecked at, what was it, Kelly's? If we got wrecked yeah. at Kelly's, we could just go walk around the mall. But I honestly, yeah. when Nate, when you and I lived there, I only remember going inside that mall maybe three times. And, yeah, and all three we times shit. were to go to that place where that had that kind of weird-looking dude with, like, the misshapen face who ran the place that sold, like, darts and stuff like that. bit and, of England. Yeah, a bit of England. And we used <laughs> to go get, like, card games and stuff there
2: once in a while. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out – because, like, I understand um, places that – like, restaurants that let you, like, drink outside and you can kind of, like, within 20 feet or whatever of, like, even the outside garden or whatever, they let you have beer um but i just i can't really think of any time that i'd like go grab a beer at the local pub and then like want to walk to coles or um
0: yeah i
1: honestly i can't either <laughs> but <laughs> well let me give you guys an example of okay. where like this makes sense but not here in virginia so the first like strip mall was apparently like created in raleigh north carolina and it's uh carry town it's a uh, it was like right off the street where my first. Um, it was like right around the corner from where my first dorm was, but it was a massive, spread out shopping center. But it would have been really cool to be able to walk around in there and like if you think about like farmers markets and sort of things like that, where you mm-hmm. could go in and have a drink at like you know say like homebrewing kombucha, you know those sort of things. Like, but like this uh, this uh, shopping center was like massive and it was very high end. So like having eateries where you could walk around and walk with a drink and things like that, like would actually Wait, kind of work out in my a, opinion. And I think it's also kind of for like sporting events.
0: Was that in Durham? Where
1: you, uh, no, it's in Raleigh. Oh, okay. There
0: was something very similar to that when on one of the first well, yeah, business cause it, meetings. It, it, I like I, I said, it started company.
1: in North Carolina. Okay. So like it was right. a big thing around the corner. <laughs> yeah, Okay.
0: Yeah. I, like, we yeah. went to, we went to something like that on like when I worked at the company that you currently work at. One of my first business meetings was down to Durham, and we went to a thing like that. And I remember thinking it was really cool. Yeah. And it was, and it had like it was like one of those places where it's like the bottom floor was retail, the upper floor was apartments, and I was like, this is really kind of neat.
1: Yeah, and this thing is like surrounded by houses, and there's like a hotel over there. I mean, it's and there's like a Harris Teeter like on one end of the shopping center.
0: Yeah, I think I think. This is very very similar to that that shopping center that I went to, so in in that case I do kind of see that working, and, and apparently maybe that is something that's more common up near uh, Arlington, uh, and it would make sense that it that it was more common up there because you do have like a lot more of uh, the metropolitan feel in the DC area than you do down in Virginia Beach or Norfolk.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like flea markets or farmers markets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely for, see it. Like maybe with, for festivals, like just
1: to help support festivals.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like maybe well, if you if you had the twenty five acres and maybe you had a couple of acres dedicated to a festival.
1: Well, if if you remember, like also like a lot of these places, like a lot of these cities are trying to create like basically walking only zones.
0: Yeah, and I think that yeah. might
1: be kind of kind of part of the idea is like, and like I'm not saying that this is like because the government's trying to arrange these centers as opposed to business. It's kind of what we as libertarians, like Jacob, like you and I specifically have talked about this, like the idea that cars only exist because the government pushed heavily at a certain point. Yeah. So we always kind of imagine more like a vertical city. Right. Or like a very not spread out city because it's like you all kind of live in this area because like getting somewhere else is actually troublesome in a more libertarian society where... You, there's just no real way to go somewhere else because you have got to go through all this private land. You know, yes, there's trains, but you wouldn't just be like, "I'm getting in my car and I'm <laughs> going to go drive yeah, 400 exactly. miles today." Yeah, so, well, yeah, it like,
0: would cost. It would cost. It. It would be. I mean, and it may be that way depending on what people want to pay, mm-hmm. or you know, because it could also be that like road construction prices decrease dramatically. Because yeah. I mean, you know, the United States is mostly empty, so maybe they could, could, but, but yeah, I think in my, like, in my imagination, is most people would live a lot more densely, um, you know, that may not be the case, but it does seem to be the case leading up to the interstate highway system.
1: And yeah. Stuff so, like, like that. I think, like, you would see a lot of people kind of creating zones like this. Yeah. You can go get your shopping. You can buy your drink and kind of like amble about. You know, that's kind of the idea of the way I see it. Like, yeah. it, it makes sense to me, like, not a practical way, because I think it's just the cities trying to like make these development zones to push tax credits to their friends. And, you know, I think that's probably if you looked into like her background, she's probably got somebody who's got a site that's too small in her district or something like yeah. that. And, you know, they're yeah, they're trying to push that and then extend credits or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that's probably the case. Now, let, let me g- tell you why this article, because the, the topic actually became much more interesting now that I was talking it with you guys than I thought it would be. Uh, <laughs> let me share to you what I thought was the most interesting thing about this article, because I'm going to read to you the headline one more time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Proposed bill would allow people to drink alcohol at more shopping centers in Virginia. Subtitle. If Bill passes, you can sip and stroll at your favorite shopping center in Virginia. Cool. That's that's the, that's the headline. One, two, three, four paragraphs in, and there are four, five, six, seven paragraphs in the article. <laughs> this is the last three paragraphs of the article. The Virginia General Assembly is also looking to pass several bills, including legislation to create an alert program for missing children with autism. If passed, the bill would order Virginia State Police to develop policies and standards under which a new autism alert program would operate. The Virginia Assembly will convene their session on January 8th in Richmond to decide on several bills, including the, proposal, the proposed new alcohol law change. Why, is these oh two, ar- why are these two paragraphs about autism in this article? And I, when I was reading it, I was when I saw the headline, I was like, "This might be something we want to talk about." And then I was reading this article, I was like, "Okay, you know, this is kind of interesting. This is kind of interesting. There's not a lot, not a huge amount of information. Maybe I do want to share it." There was actually a couple of article, other articles I had that I kind of was like, "Oh, these are more important." And then I got to these two paragraphs about autism, and I was like, "Well, this mm-hmm. sort of fits in with libertarianism because, you know, <laughs> we're all autistic according to the rest of the world, but, uh, but." why is this in this article? It doesn't make any sense. It was, it was well, the most. I'm wondering,
2: is, is that part of the bill?
0: No, it's, they're separate bills, apparently. I, I I had to go look them up. I was trying to figure out what the connection was. It's not even proposed by the same lady. It's just, they're just completely separate bills. They, I guess the connection is that they're both going to be voted on. Now, the granted, it's, it's past this time. We're actually a month past the time, so I don't know if they passed or failed. But apparently they were both going to be voted on January 8th and i I don't know why they put those two art, those two things together. It was just so bizarre to
2: me, so maybe I don't know they'd get more people to read the article or something, and then
0: maybe but uh, yeah. why why wouldn't, you put that in the, why wouldn't you put that in the title?
1: Well, it would be different if they were like, and this also you know is like one of the many bills, and another one is you know this, and another one is this, and another one is this, like you know, like say they had spent the last four paragraphs going over briefly a different bill in each paragraph yeah yeah you know just kind of showing the breadth of stuff that the legislators work the legislation legislative team is working on or something like that you know that would make more sense but like i don't know how much local news stuff you read jacob but like there are some local news sites and some weird sites where like basically you get to the end of the article you're reading and it's not like there's a more articles by this author it just starts another article like, okay, so completely and, and unrelated.
0: actually, this is interesting because this site does that as well because I scrolled down further and it did start another article. But, I mean, I did a bunch of double takes on this. It is the same article.
1: Yeah, so that's what at first... It's just like, really the way, bizarre. The way you were saying it, because it didn't, you know, those never link back because they're just literally separate articles. So at first I thought you were just kind of gotten a little lost in there and I was like, oh, this, this has happened to me so many times. I get it. Yeah. And then you were like, brought it back with like, the fact that the article then re-references the other bill. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It, it I, I was super confused when I was reading it because, you know, what I normally do to prepare, you know, Inside Baseball or whatever, what I normally do to prepare for the show is I go on to a couple of different sites that, that I know have good wine news usually. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I will filter it to places where I'm more interested uh, about things happening. So I, I filtered this down to Virginia. Because I knew that Nate was coming on. I wanted to talk about Virginia. And so I was like, well, let's see what's going on in Virginia. But I also knew that kombucha and the other things would probably take up a bunch of the show. So I'm like, let me just get one article. And, and there was actually like two or three other articles that I thought were probably more important than this one. But this weird juxtaposed, like, <laughs> the, whole, well, first of all, because it's autistic and, and libertarians are often accused of being autistic. And mm-hmm. uh, I've actually been accused of being on the spectrum by people that are close to me. And, uh, which, which may be true. I don't know if that's it's true. Totally What's that?
2: So that's mostly endearing. Yeah. I oh, was yeah, going to yeah. say, I thought we agreed not to talk about this conversation. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: But, uh, but like, I just thought, I thought, A, it was, it was sort of like related to internet libertarianism where like there, we're always talk about being autistic. But also, it was just such a weird article. I was like, I got to talk about this because it's so bizarre that they keep referencing it. Although we did get a lot more out of the first part of the article than I expected. So yeah. I, I'm happy and I brought up.
1: that. up. I think that's what's really fun about that article is that there is a lot there. Yeah. Um, and kind of like a lot to think about. Because like, you know, an interesting concept is the idea of urban planning on its own, whether government-driven or not, just like how – to design a better community especially like you know jacob as you're trying to buy a house and looking at homes and things like that you know you look at like my neighborhood and it's clear that there's many different generations of homes in yeah that. but you like, remember you know the, the neighborhood that both you and nate lived in there's yes there are different generations of home because of the townhouses that are there but all the homes are kind of of the same style it's like yeah. the same seven or eight mix yeah whereas like in my house like you know they're like three houses in a row that look alike. And then nothing else looks like,
0: well, and, that, and that's, what's interesting kind of about the neighborhood that I'm moving into is it's, it's more along those lines because the neighborhood was sold as lots and people built, you know, quote unquote custom homes. Uh, mm-hmm. but they were, they, they're custom. They are custom homes. They don't, they don't look alike at all, but they were custom homes that were offered by one company. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like my house is, is so completely different that like my house is actually one of the smaller houses in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Most of the other ones are 3000 plus square feet. Ours is under 3000 square feet. And, but they're all very, very different. Some of them are like ranch style. One story. Mine is like, I don't even know what you would call it, but kind of modern, like a, like a Mm -hmm. modern style. And, uh, but like a, like a, what, what the people in the seventies thought modern was. And, uh, and then some of them are like mid-century modern. Some of them are the uh, like post mid-century modern, where it's like the kind of like where it's like one large slant. It's got like a whole bunch of those like large skylights on it. Uh, just a kind of like a very very like very different looking house. I don't know how to describe all of them. And then some are very very traditional, like traditional two-story uh, kind of what, what what would you call that uh, Georgian colonial or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is a very it's a very diverse neighborhood, very interesting looking. And then, yeah, you're right, but you have neighborhoods like the neighborhood that Nate and I were living in, the Betsy Ross neighborhood, where the entire neighborhood are – there's, like, four or five different variants of the exact same house. Some aren't – like, the two – it's, like, single story, single story, two story, single story, single story, two story, and it's, like, the single stories alternate between these these four different mm-hmm. styles, and then the two stories are all the same. Yeah,
1: it's, like, the one custom upgrade.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, so really, really kind of an interesting – it is. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. All right. So that that's really basically all I have to say. Uh, Nate, do you have any plugs or anything that you want to do? Any, any sort of causes that you care about that you want to direct people to look at? Or uh, anything you want to say to just wrap up the episode?
2: Um, I do not have something on top of my, uh, on the top of my head, but next time I come on the show, I'll definitely come up with something.
0: Okay. How's your Frisbee? Mm -hmm. How's how's Frisbee golf in Northern Virginia?
2: It's going pretty good. Um, I come from in, in Springfield, Illinois, there is four courses and a really, really active club. Um, and out here, most of the active clubs are up a little further North, but the courses are like really overcrowded and there's not as much space. Um, so I'm trying to get a club going out here, um, which is proving difficult in the winter, okay. even though it's been like
1: it's been the like, mildest winter, especially <laughs> for somebody who's coming from Illinois.
2: Yeah. yeah. And uh, because I work in for a company in uh, CST time, um, I get up, I get to the course by 7 o'clock. It just turns bright enough that you don't lose a disc. And I play an entire round before going to work uh, most days during the week.
0: Right on. Yeah,
1: man. that's pretty that's awesome. awesome.
0: Now, if you yeah. if you have time, I don't know. I know that it may be tight because you just moved and everything, but you can come out here to DFW and uh teach me how to play disc golf on our co- courses. We have a bunch of them around here, and then come down to Childeberg, Mason. Do yeah, you want to tell everybody about Childeberg. So
1: Childeberg is happening may 23rd through the 26th in austin texas emma long metropolitan park all right Uh, we'll be out there hanging out having fun doing a bunch of different stuff uh confirmed or at least uh, confirmed until i buy the tickets um my wife and daughter are going to be coming out so that's gonna be a lot of fun so we'll see if i stay the night on site i'll probably pass out you know like some tent or something like that. and um, My wife and daughter will probably like kick back to like a hotel or something like that uh, earlier. But you know, I've got a three year old, so that's kind of what they do. Yeah. Um, and that's perfectly <laughs> fine. Uh, but we're going to have plenty of people out there. Nikki P's coming out. It's also happening during the time of the Libertarian National Convention. So there's going to be a bunch of, you know, national uh, libertarians out there uh, in the convention land. So if you're going out for the convention, come out and see us. Um, we're a little at what, like fifty-five percent booked. Um, yeah, well, for actually, right
0: now we're campsites. Six, yeah, we're sixty-two percent booked for campsites at, yeah. at this point. So. so
1: we're booked for booking up for campsites. Yeah. Um, so as a kind of a possibility, Jacob, uh, little Jacob. And his boyfriend, Toby, might come out.
0: Oh, that'd be really and I told cool. him
1: about it. And yeah. like when I was talking to him about it originally, I was telling him about it. And they, you know, little Jacob, like he's a perfection. He's a completist. Yeah. Um. So he fell behind on the show and hasn't had a chance to catch up. But he thought about like jumping forward to where we are now to catch and then would back catch up at some other point. Oh, okay. Um, and so I was telling him about Schilderberg and they were saying like that sounded really cool. And he's doesn't like to fly. So originally I was saying like, well, why don't you guys like come down and we'll, the three of us will fly out together or something like that. That'd be or I'll cool. drive up to Richmond where they live and I'll fly out of Richmond with you guys. And then my wife said she was going to go, was thinking about going. And then she asked my daughter and my daughter was like, I want to fly on an airplane. So oh, that really was her cool. way of saying, yes, she wanted to go. Um, so that kind of like changed my, my planning there a little bit, but I'm going to see them. We're going to have a leap day party. Um, so oh, cool. have a leap okay. day party. Have them come out. They're gonna come out, come down again, and then probably my cousins and a bunch of bunch of people are gonna come in as usual. Um, so we're gonna do that, and then, um, but I'm gonna bring it up to them. Then it's like, well, uh, they're coming too. So you know, if you guys want to drive out, because they drove out to Texas last year. Oh, okay. Just as kind, of, not like something to do. Like there was something they were that was like their vacation.
0: Oh, okay. And I
1: think they camped along the way, and they like camping a lot. So. Yeah, it's kind of like perfect. Yeah, that is perfect. <laughs> so, so I mean, if they do, uh, but,
0: I, it is a long drive, but if they want to drive out again, if and if they yeah. want to stay in Dallas, we'll have space.
1: So exactly, and uh, that's kind of one of those things is like, um little Jacob works from home. Yeah. So like theoretically, like you guys will have an internet connection, so yeah. like he doesn't have to necessarily take take time off. Yeah. Um, but he's kind of freelance anyway, so right. You know, it's kind of like works out that way now is uh, Toby works for like a like a like cooking spice shop. So oh,
3: interesting. Okay. Um,
1: that does make it a little harder because um, he's got to actually take time off. But yeah. that's going to be fun. And then we're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff like we're going to be trying to do family oriented things as well as adult oriented things. Yeah. Um, you know, try to do like morning yoga, hikes, walks, you know. Yeah we are going to have stand-up comedy.
0: Um, well, actually, it's spe- yeah. speaking of stand-up comedy, we do have, I- I'll say, 90% confirmed because he announced it on a very large, very successful podcast, Part of the Problem. Um, so, <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah, so uh, Robbie the Fireburn scene is going to be yes. doing some stand-up. And uh, although they did not announce it, but they are welcome to do it. Uh, Mark Claire, who has done mm-hmm. a lot of stand-up, and I've seen his stand-up. It's actually very good. Uh, and Brian McWilliams, who also does stand-up, and I have not seen his stand-up, but he's a very funny guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has a... he. Both of them are from the Lions of Liberty, and they uh, Mark Claire does their Monday show, and Brian McWilliams does their Wednesday show, and mm-hmm. they're both very funny. I've also gotten requests from other people who want to do stand-up comedy. Um, if you are interested in doing stand-up comedy, and I get enough people who are interested in doing it, I'll do an open mic night that is either... Uh, the night before or preceding Robbie the Fire doing it, because he's going to be kind of our headliner comedian because he's a professional and his stand-up is very good. Uh, But if you are interested in trying out material or and you want to do some, now granted, I'm not going to put any restrictions on that, so if you have kids, be aware that there will be, and I'm pretty sure that Robbie's is not kid-friendly, so if you do have kids, that may not be the best thing for you. But what you were about to get into, Mason, is a music night
2: mm-hmm.
0: who and uh, we have both been on his podcast uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is Nikki P. And yes. so Nikki P. will be doing some music. Uh, Nikki P. actually From Peace
1: he, Freaks, I think is it's the name, is how yeah. it's pronounced now. Yeah, it's
0: Peace Freaks now. So he and his wife are doing a new uh, kind of a new format on their show. It used to be Sounds Like Liberty. Uh, so we were both on Sounds Like Liberty. Peace Freaks mm-hmm. is now it's a little bit different. It's it's a similar format. It's still Nikki P. and his wife uh, Lizzie. And uh, they kind of dive into a lot of the same topics, but it's a little more flexible, I think, than Sounds Like Liberty. And that gives them a little Mm -hmm. bit more leeway to talk about other things. Um, And I I like it a lot. I was actually, I was walking the dogs earlier today, and I was listening to, uh, I I don't think it's their most recent episode. I think it's the episode before the current one. And enjoying it quite a bit. So check that out. Uh, There's also, I think Nikki P said he had some friends that are in the libertarian movement that live in Austin. So they may do some music as well if you can get them on board. I haven't spoken to them, so I don't know if that's that's true or not, but I'm putting that out there. So there may end up being a lot of uh, performances, and besides that, they'll just be good times had by all because it's just fun to to meet people that, that you've met online or that you've never met before, but that even if you don't have uh, similar ideas to them exactly, it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of get to know people outside of the internet bubble. It's really easy to filter people out or to uh, self-filter yourself online. And this is kind of a, uh, a good practice session where people are generally in favor of just getting along and having a good time. And you can, and you can meet people in real life, form alliances, discuss ideas, uh, and just kind of chill out and have a drink, you know, swim the river. Play volleyball, throw the old B. Uh, yeah, Nate, if you come, you can throw the B with car. It's twelve dollars an hour. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the you know the there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, Bird Argus just said he's coming out, so that'll be awesome
1: to see him as well. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll probably meet him, and then uh, I think uh, what's it? Um, I don't know if they've been able to confirm, but if Peaceful Treason comes out, yeah, uh, Jared and I will continue our uh, dominance on cornhole.
0: Yep. We're also going to try to peer pressure everybody. Roll of McFrugal going to come out again, and he's going to do a-, mm-hmm. a fruitcake once again. Now, Mason, what did you do with your side of the winnings from the fruitcake?
1: So when I won the uh, guest weight of the fruitcake, um, I donated because it's a 50-50 um, pool, but the other side, the fifty the main fifty side goes to freeross.org and I let it roll all to freeros. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind, kind of what we of expect everybody else you to do. do.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. We, we we don't we're not gonna pressure you we're not gonna force you to do it, but there is a lot of. Peer I think this pressure. is the
1: one time the non-aggression principle is not in my heart. I will, <laughs> <laughs> I will fight.
0: Right, right. So it would it would be good. Like free Ross, you know, free Ross is a very important uh, case for um, Mason and me, and for most libertarians in general. Uh, it, it's very, very unjust what happened to him, and actually, his mom, uh, Lynn Ulbricht, was recently on Bob Murphy's show. And they mm-hmm. went through just how incredibly biased the court was against him and how unjust that that ruling was. So check that out if you if you get a chance. Uh, I think that is it. Uh, mm-hmm. We probably spent 10 minutes on pumping up Childeberg. Do you want us to share anything else, Mason?
1: Uh, so you can always follow us on Twitter, Tasting Energy on Twitter, TastingEnergy.com, Cholderberg on Cholder uh, on Cholderberg. Yeah, that's true. Cholderberg on uh, Twitter, Cholderberg.com. You can send us an email at TastingEnergy at gmail.com. Uh, reach out, let us know if you're going to come. Obviously, try to book a um, book a tent as site as soon as possible. Um, it gets you one site and parking. Yeah, I think it's, great.
0: yeah, so one tent and parking. One so you, tent, yeah. yeah. So you may uh, actually, be, yeah, you may be sharing a site with somebody else, but think of it as an awesome opportunity to make a new best friend forever. mm mm-hmm. So, uh, so
2: do, are you saying that they provide the tents?
0: No, yeah. Well, they have to they have to bring the tent themselves, but it gives you enough space for one tent, and it gives you enough space for one car.
1: Yeah, so like a, a parking spot. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. so each, so kind of to explain it, maybe I'll, I'll tweet this out again because I've tweeted it out a few times. Each campsite allows for two tents and two cars. Mm-hmm. I've got reserved enough campsites for 100 individual tents, which means 50 campsites. So, because <laughs> you can have one tent and one car per campsite. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, and I, yeah, I've so had you're lots planning of, questions out, about you know,
1: that. Um, start pumping it up, telling people what you plan to do there because it's definitely a free-form event. So if you're planning to bring your crew and do X, let us know. know, Start getting active on the Twitter, um, posting it, letting us know where you're going or what you're planning. It's going to be fun, guys.
0: Yep, a lot of podcasters too. So if you're a podcaster and you want to come out and do some crossover stuff with other people, uh, I'll be available to probably a little bit of a lesser degree because I'll be running things, and Mason probably a little bit of a lesser degree as well, but we'll both try to make time individually mm-hmm. to, to you know, pop in for a couple of minutes on everybody's podcasts. Yes. Uh, so I think that that is it. Nate, do you have anything else you want to say? Not today. All right. Well, uh, stick around a little bit afterward because uh, I want to say goodbye to you. Uh, so from all of us at Tasting
3: Anarchy, stay free.
2: Stay free and stay tasty. <laughs> <Get your> rungs, <laughs> socks, <laughs> all
3: night, knock down windows and turn down doors. Drinking and, and calling for more. Drinking wine for you drink wine. Wine, for you drink wine? Why for you drink wine? Mop, mop. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy, drink that man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you wanna get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All lamb kids, they love sweet wine, drinking wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy, wine, wine. 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 Elderberry, wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry, wine, wine, wine. Blackberry, wine, wine, wine. Port and Sherry, wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Killsley at Willie's Den, he wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine, he hipped that cat for a dollar and a dime. i drinking wine for the Yodi, drink wine, wine for the drink wine, wine for the drink wine, pass that bottle to me. I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Somebody's fifth and somebody's fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine, for you drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Pass that ball to me.